Hello and welcome to the Get Football Tactics podcast. I'm your host Neil Shelat and I'm delighted to say that once again I have been joined by Varun Vasudevan. How are you Varun? I'm really good. Um yeah, I'm doing quite good. And and also I'm delighted to say that we have been joined by Alex Barker who's hopefully going to be a little bit more descriptive about how he is than good. <laughs> <laughs> I was about a slight Varun for that, so I'm glad you beat it to me. Uh, Neil, I'm fine. Fine, yeah? Good. good. <laughs> He's not very... getting big answers today. I'm, yeah, very... I'm, I'm really worried about how like our team analysis stuff is going to go, because I'll be like, oh, what do you guys think about this team? And I'll be like, oh, yeah, they're good. They play good football. Know... Like, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, sure I think we... this episode is going to end in five minutes. We'll all just say everyone's good. <laughs> I've had a nice weekend. Watched a lot of football still. As always. Uh, there's a lot of teams being fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been... I think there's some, a lot of teams right now, I don't know you guys, I think are just... They're not quite there, um, but they're fun. Like, you've got City, obviously, who'll win everything again. But, like, Boom. teams like Arsenal, Spurs, they're, they're, they're good. Um but they're improving. It makes them fun. That's nice. That's a lovely point you make there because I think that's very much going to be the theme of this podcast. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing La Liga uh, of Spain, of course, and again, primarily focusing on the title race where, I mean, you know, there's probably the three big teams that always compete for it. And as you will find out, uh, based on our discussion, I, I think it's safe to say already that we all think that all of them have their strengths and weaknesses, but none of them are, you know, co- like sort of like Manchester City, like clearly very, very good. So we should have a, a close and fun title race. So I think it's going to be an exciting season. Of course, the three teams uh, I referenced are Barcelona, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. Uh, so we'll sort of take a deep dive into each of those. Uh, why don't we get started? Let's start with uh, the defending champions, uh, Barcelona. Uh, let let's let's start with you, Varun. Um, I mean, Barcelona are an interesting case. They've had this whole new direction they've gone in. Javi has come in, and last year we saw all that Javi could do. So a new system. There's a three box three. They made they made a lot of signings, a lot of ins and outs last year. So I don't know. I mean, they are the defending champions, but were they really that good last year? I'm not sure. What did you think about their season, Neil? Yeah, I think I very much agree with that. I I think, you know, their title was simply a case of them being sort of the best team in a, a title race, which wasn't really, you know, that good in terms of pure, you know, like quality, team quality. So I, th- I think they were deserved as champions in the end. Of course, their first title since 2019. And yeah, in terms of like consistency, uh, they were the best team in the league. I don't think there's any arguments about that. But as we saw in Europe, you know, they're not quite at the level that they have been in the past. Um, so it's it's an interesting one because they they definitely have you know clear areas of improvement, uh, which uh, we we'll get to soon. But at the, at the same time, they still do look probably. Um, I I would say they still look like the best team in the league probably. So it's it's an interesting case. Hmm, interesting. Um, well, it is a tactics podcast, so let's talk tactics. I mean, I actually liked Zavi's idea of the three box three. He kind of 
you know, found a way to fit in a lot of his good plays, especially that midfield. I mean, that midfield is super exciting. And but then he's had a he's had some issues to deal with. I think Busquets going was one big issue. Um, so I mean, how do the tactics look now? Are they still playing the three box three? Um, how how has Javi changed from last season? What do we expect tactically? Yeah, I, I think it's about the same, honestly. Um, so as you said, three box three, at least based on their first few games, it doesn't look like they're gonna change anything in terms of the overall shape. Uh, so obviously, how they created is their left back is always Alejandro Balde, who's a really exciting attacking prospect. So he always pushes up on the left. The left winger is in really a nominal position. They play, you know, Gavi or Pedri or someone there, so midfielder. So he comes in to create the four, the box in the midfield. And on the right, you have usually uh, Ronald Araujo or Jules Kunde, basically a sort of centre back who can double as a full back out of possession, but takes part in a back three in possession. So in terms of basic structure, that's the sort of three box three you've got. You know, those four in the middle playing in the central areas, uh, progressing the ball and out wide Balde providing width on the left and the right winger again uh, stretching the width on the right. Uh, and as you say, you know, in terms of the players they have in the squad, the, the squad makeup, it, it suits it pretty well. Obviously, uh, one big uh, name is, uh, rather one big player for this system to work is Balde, the left back who is very much this sort of attacking player, almost like a half winger, half left back. And this is the perfect system for him. And then on the right, they don't really have a high quality, you know, proper conventional right back. So this center back system works. And obviously they've got, as always, tons of good midfielders. So you've got four in there. Uh, and of course, Lewandowski up front. And right winger is an interesting position because, of course, the last season they had Rafinha. And Dembele, but Dembele is now off to PSG. So um, I, I guess th- that's a position perhaps where depth might be an issue. But uh, I suppose with Dembele to PSG, it might be worth talking some transfers. And I think you have uh, a, a signing that you really liked, didn't you, Aaron? Well, before Varun talks, Neil, I want to quickly interject with a couple of amazing things about Barca's transfers, just because I can't hold myself back. And I pick these stats up. Uh, the other day, uh, let's go. La Liga, sorry, no, no, let's let's hear it. I'm interested. Well, La Liga, uh, did you oh, know yes. has spent the least in transfers this window, right? Okay, okay, among the big five European leagues, among the big five European leagues, the others are the the second second and third least Bundesliga and Liga, and has spent six hundred fifty million euros. La Liga spent 350 million euros, 300 million less than the next. And a big wow. chunk of that is Barcelona because, well, no, you've done the research, you would know this, but Varun, have a guess how much money Barcelona have spent this window off the top of your head. 100 million? 3 million all on Mr. Oreo Romeo, who I know Neil's about <laughs> to talk a lot about, but Barca has spent such little on transfers so, as you said, Dembele... Oh, yeah, I mean, most of them have been free. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I think I was thinking about last year. Oh, yeah, this Neil, year who have been spent. the free transfers? Who have been the free transfers? Well, uh, I suppose the big one, or certainly the one I like the most, uh, has been Ilkay Gundogan. Uh, I think he's going to be a crucial addition, especially after their last match, which at the time of recording was against Cardiff. Uh, it was a 1-0 win for them. But both of their matches so far uh, have really highlighted their 
you know major issues that are alluded to and the biggest one in my opinion is their uh, transition defending so like preventing counter attacks and like obviously defending against them uh, there's there's two parts to it one is they don't really have the best rest defense you know structure and players like they usually have Frankie De Jong in one of the two deeper midfield roles and he's brilliant brilliant player on the ball but off it you know obviously he tends to be quite free with his position so he can get caught out and again not necessarily the best defender and more so than their structure the way they play especially in these two games when they don't have when they haven't scored when they haven't got an early lead it tends to be so aggressive so front footed and uh, you know i think uh, everyone has heard that quote which i think was about goal kicks which is that the ball comes back as quickly as it goes forward but i guess that applies here too because they try to attack so quickly sometimes so directly that they leave themselves exposed to a lot of transitions and we saw that in in both of their games uh, so far this season so i think gundogan is a great addition because in the post match interviews he spoke about this uh, this issue that they were facing and he and he spoke about how he thought that they needed to be more patient you know play more extra passes not take so many risks and of course he comes from manchester city where obviously they've got pep guardiola who i mean, he, he, i suppose he's he's gone bald because of thinking about how to defend transition so uh, he 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 does know a thing or two about it so he's a very good addition in their midfield but i do also really like oriol romeo as you say just for 3 million i think i mean varun likes him as well so i, I, I spoke about gundogan i'll let him have romeo no i mean i think that's one of the signings of the season i'm still getting over the fact that barcelona only spent 3 million i mean i'm still shocked by that stat <laughs> i i was actually thinking about all their spending last summer which was like 160 million anyways i mean romeo for 3 million is probably going to be one of the transfers of the season i think he really he really fits well so that that role beside frankie deong i mean it's it's a tricky one uh, there are only, he's a very odd profile so you need a sitting or a holding uh, midfielder beside him but who can also keep things simple who can also handle large pass volumes and i always felt romeo was pretty underrated i have no idea why his last two clubs were not as high profile as they should have been but i think he's finally getting his dues i think he was good in the first match i mean he made that box midfield function and more importantly he made frankie deong function so i think he's going to be a really good signing and so what do you think neil and what do you think about their other uh, their other transfers and there are some other young players coming through as well. what about them Yeah, I completely agree agree with you on Romeo. I think we mentioned earlier that of course Busquets left, he's off to Inter Miami and I mean obviously he's an absolute legend there, there and a really tough player to replace, but I think Romeo is about as good as they could have done because he as you say is that player who enables Frankie De Jong to do his thing on the ball while providing good enough defensive cover and obviously he's not Busquets in possession, but he's secure enough. He he'll you know, he'll move it around. he'll do the job so especially for 3 million i mean absolute steal of a signing uh, but in terms of the other transfers honestly they haven't really done much uh, as i said gundogan romeo uh, inigo martinez from athletic club is an interesting one but uh, honestly I-, i expect he's mostly just going to be uh, uh, you know adding depth uh, in the center back position i don't expect him to start and they've had some loanies return I think it 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 looks like as they up they will probably be staying to provide cover 
uh, on the left uh, obviously sold a few as well dembele as i said griezmann uh, i mean uh, technically sold he he i think he joined with a loan with an obligation to buy back at atleti so he was going anyway but frankesi as well uh, so the, and of course others leaving on freeze like uh, Jordi alba sergio busquets uh, samuel titi so a good deal of uh, departures without losing too many key squad players and a couple of very good additions and of course when you consider all that financial issues which uh, i think everyone knows about the levers and all that sort of stuff i have to say it's a very good window and lastly uh, on the topic of young players i mean there's a serious star coming through there i spoke about how they perhaps are lacking depth in that right wing position now but behind rafinha they have got this absolutely sensational wonder kid honestly lamin yamal just 16 years old uh, he made his full debut against cardiff he was sensational there but i i also watched him in uh, a youth tournament i forgot what probably the under 17 years actually uh, in the summer and he was just a class above the field like it 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 it, it was it was like you know like a 15 year old playing against like 9 year olds he was making he was doing whatever he wanted and obviously the i mean in terms of you know potential and talent and everything that i had zero questions about him but obviously when he's making his start at just 16 what i was inter- interested to see was how he'd f- fit in this side now that he's playing with players that are all off his level and against you know big strong defenders but the guy was just so confident uh again you know did all his things and but, but at the same time he didn't overdo anything you know he didn't hog the ball a lot he didn't do unnecessary takeons he he released it well so i mean he's he fit in like a he fit Neil, in like you a have glove. to you have to say the golden words he's the next messi ah no no <laughs> everyone who comes through uh, who plays on a wing who's this creative who's this it is the next messi you yeah, have yeah, to say left footed dribbler is next messi but i mean Yeah I I think honestly this guy is people have been saying it he's possibly the most exciting talent to come through after Messi I mean I think you know after especially his uh, Juan Gamper trophy performance where he came on late and won the game you know they were saying that it reminded them of uh, 2005 which I think is when Messi came through but I think obviously is is not great to make you know these sort of comparisons for 16 year old kid but I mean I have no doubt that this guy is going to have a really really great career and I think already this season he can play I mean obviously not a starting role but a significant role um off the bench or as a sort of rotation option for Barcelona so he is definitely one to watch but let's move on now I think we spent a little bit too much time on Barcelona uh, let's go to one of our other contenders uh Alex shall we head on to Real Madrid Yes, exactly. Let's let's move on from the next Bojan and let's go to Real Madrid. Uh, Varane's obviously got a lot on here and sneaky setup for Varane. I'm very excited about Real Madrid this season. I've been debating with people whether their team can work and their 4-4-2 diamond spoiler, but I, I, I think it can. I'm hoping you're going to tell me the same. Why don't you uh, talk us through their summer so far, which I know has been chaotic, forced through injuries. Uh, let's, let's hear the context. Yeah, I mean, Madrid is one of those teams. I think for three or four years, I've been saying, "Oh, they're going to drop off this year. They'll finally have to bite and you know get some modern, high press positional manager and then rebuild with youngsters." This Carlo Ancelotti, you know, thing won't work anymore. And each time I say that, and the next season they prove me wrong. 
and they look good again and honestly they look good again i mean um i actually like what i'm seeing and i got a good look at them because of the preseason game with uh, man united so obviously i saw them up close i analyzed that game too and i thought madrid were fun and i think that's the operator word here i'm not sure if they're going to run away with the league or they're going to come second or third but i'm sure they're going to be fun and i think the transfers have a big part to play in that i mean they have gotten in jude bellingham that is as big a statement signing as you know one can make uh fran garcia is a very interesting one arda guler is also a very exciting wonder kid uh kepa is honestly not a bad signing i mean i actually like the idea of getting kepa i think he's very underrated uh chelsea fans were way too harsh on him and i know he has his moments and he needs to improve he has phases of form but i think it's a good solution until kotoa is back so uh, you never know at least for a loan i think kepa is also a good incoming uh joselu is also not bad i mean one big issue is benzema leaving i mean i don't think any one of us expected benzema to leave uh the whole saudi transfer business has just taken all of us by surprise and benzema has been one of the big statements i think it's very early in the window and madrid haven't properly got a striker i mean we all thought they might get a super big striker whether it was mbappe or someone else but they really haven't gone that route they instead have sent, spent big on bellingham and they've just got joselu uh as a striker so i think joselu will also be important uh in those games when you need a proper target man he will come into play so the big operator word here is that i see all of the ins being pretty useful these are good signings essencio was okay i mean he was okay to let go i mean let's see how he does at psg eden hazard wasn't setting the world on fire i mean no matter how 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 we want badly everyone wanted it to work it was just not working so him leaving mariano diaz leaving again someone who was on the sides who didn't get too many chances i think their outs have been fine their their outs have actually been fine and they probably needed to move on from benzema at some point too so i actually think their transfer business has been pretty good they have spent a bit obviously but they've got in very exciting players who have a role to play right now and lot of the people who went out were fine being phased out anyway well obviously the big move Jude Bellingham there's been a lot of hype around him I've been reading about in Spain uh, not just his performances but off the field apparently he's um, conducted himself very well in Madrid media and the fans are really behind him apparently it's, you know, it's light and day difference between um, light and day night and day difference between him <laughs> and uh, Gareth Bale when he was obviously in uh, the last British player uh, to play for Madrid the last prominent one for such a big fee uh, off field as I said he's doing very well what's he doing so well on the field in this new team yeah I mean there are very few youngsters who can justify a 100 million tag which is being thrown thrown around a lot in this summer window actually but I think Jude Bellingham totally justifies that hype and as you said i mean there's a whole personality that comes along with it he was captain uh, of birmingham at a very young age he was a teenager then and even at dortmund he has played so many games he's he's already played like as many games as a normal 23 24 year old and he and he's still pretty young so he's just very different i mean he already looks like like a peak player and so far his performances have shown that and i just love the role that carlo has carved out for him i mean 
I don't think many people predicted Real Madrid to line up in a diamond in preseason and for Bellingham to be at the tip of the diamond. And for anyone who's ever seen Jude, I'm sure both of you will agree with me. The first reaction is, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense for Bellingham. I mean, that's where he should be. I mean, I've seen so many takes of fans saying, oh, he should be in a pivot or he should be the playmaker beside a holding midfielder, like like a Frankie de Jong type. And I've just never got that. I mean, you want someone like Bellingham to be free. And I think that is literally the operative word here. Carlo Ancelotti has just given him so much freedom. Um, actually, me and Neil were talking about it uh, earlier. It, it's almost reminiscent of, you know, those classic tens like Kaka at his peak. Just go do your thing, you know, run like the wind, shoot, pass, you know, carry, drop to help, do whatever you want. And that's that's been Bellingham's role. And so far, it's played out really well. I mean, three goals and one assist in two games. And his last match especially was pretty good. I think he was the difference maker. And one key thing is he, because of his free role, he actually helps out in all phases. He's not the guy just standing at the front. He drops as deep as the first phase to help the build up. There are like lots of times you see him right next to the defensive midfielder, right next to Chomeni or Kamavinga, um, receiving the ball from a defender and then carrying. He obviously helps in second phase progression and then he's there in the final third. He's the guy trying to beat the last man or put a pass in or take a shot. So he's like everywhere. And he has a very good understanding with his teammates. He knows when Vinicius goes wide. He knows when Rodrigo drops. He knows when Kamavinga goes to the left, when Germany needs support because he's not that good a playmaker. His awareness is what I think really sets him apart and makes him a really great player. He knows where to be and that's why... You can't just give a free roll to anyone. You can give it to someone like Bellingham who has that IQ to know where to be and when. The point about Vinicius is definitely one to touch on as well. Vinicius seems to really like him. He copied his celebration, I think, uh, for a goal and posted a picture later on his Twitter um, with the pair of them edited together in the celebration. Uh, so he's clearly got that chemistry going. I think you're right as well to touch on the fact that He's got that free role in all phases of play. I think my point has always been about Bellingham that you don't necessarily want him in the first phase of build-up. You don't want to be the guy to move it on to advanced players because he's not necessarily clunky under pressure or anything like that. It's just I think there's better players like that and you always want him to try the risky passes, which is what he's good at doing. So I think you're spot on there. But let's talk about, you know, it's interesting how he's dropping to the first line. Um Oh, uh, dropping in the first phase alongside the defensive midfielders. Who are the defensive midfielders? Where are they? What formation are Madrid playing? We've touched on it already, but... You mentioned it like the... three times, but good question, Alex. <laughs> Shut up, Neil. I'm doing my best. We're not all of us could be an amazing host. But uh, talk, talk us through in-depth their tactics and uh, annoy the troll in the call of Aaron. Okay, you said in-depth. So here it goes. Um, so, I mean, it is a diamond on paper. But then it's not like a very, very fixed diamond. You know, it's not like literally there's just one six two eights, two strikers and one number 10 and they just don't move much. There's a lot of fluidity going on there. And that's expected from a Carlo Ancelotti team. That's expected from this Madrid team over the past three years. They've always been everything, you know, positionally fluid. And that's how it's playing out. I mean, there are lots of phases, especially in the build-up, where when Bellingham drops... Kamavinga drops and Chomini is always there. And one of the fullbacks even inwards, they have a lot of options. And this was one thing that people were wondering. 
you've got all these wonder kids Germany Kamavinga Bellingham Valverde but there's no playmaker there there's no Cruz there's no Modric who is going to playmake that was the big question and i don't think they found the answer for it but then how they're getting by is getting a lot of bodies in the build up there's always some someone coming to support so i think they really tactically finding a way out of that problem it's still not perfect but then you can see that fluidity when someone drops someone else makes space and they have this really good right side overload going on so again if you're thinking diamond you're thinking oh so the right back is giving width and the right center midfield will support it's actually been the opposite so carvayal is the right back and he's inverting a lot he's almost in right center midfield positions most of the game and it's valverde who's going to the flank often it's valverde uh, helping uh, do the wide reception and the right uh, the wide progression on the right flank so they almost switch places a lot and it's only sometimes in defensive phases that to sometimes when they drop back to their natural positions so i think it's really smart to utilize um, valverde's impact on uh, on the wide right uh, right side he gets into the right channels he stays on the wing to offer with and carvajal at this age is actually probably better with his experience coming in the middle taking care of the ball in a inverted role so i think again it's a really smart play on strengths of both players um and and thinking beyond their actual roles and there's a similar thing going on the left side but in a very opposite way fran garcia i mean i'm a big fan of him uh in the preseason game against us fran garcia kamavinga and vinicius junior were on the left side and they tore us apart i mean Van Bissaka, uh, Verane, and Bruno Fernandez was on the right wing. God knows why, uh, but all three of them were torn apart by this this trio of uh, you know uh, wingers. All of them can play on the wing. Fran Garcia is a winger. Vinicius Junior is a winger. Kamavinga is half a winger. So they've got a really exciting left side. They've got a very progressive right side, and then there's Bellingham who drifts and helps wherever required. So I think it's it's a real fun formation, and defending is also decent they drop in a 442 they at times almost drop in a 532 as well as i said valverde at times when he's um defending in the wide spaces on the right side carvajal drops like a right center back so they almost form a back five so they've got good defensive solidarity as well so i think it's a very interesting system and it surprised me in a very pleasant way Yeah, it's been definitely fun to watch. I would say I think it suits their relationist ideas as well. Uh, wants to look at the difference between re- relationism, positionism. Uh, have a look online. Jamie Hamilton puts up some good stuff and how Real Madrid like to overload different areas of the pitch. Uh, my final question for you, Varun, and then it will be over to Neil to talk to me about Atletico Madrid. And I hope he knows that after his little. Uh, comment he's gonna have a wonderful time and definitely not me being horrible to him as he tries to host uh varon has there been any issues with the, the this setup or is it all plain sailing not really i mean it's all fun and i have spoken about the positives but there are some issues i still think they're pretty transitional i still think and it's largely because of the makeup of the squad they have so many good dribblers so many good pressers they still really feel like let's defend press steal and counter in the space i mean bellingham's carrying ability kamavinga's carrying ability and all of them have such line breaking ability even chomini is such a good defender he's the he's the guy who wins balls and immediately passes and vinicius and rodrigo and valverde are a terror in counters so i think the whole makeup of the squad is very very transitional and at times they lack that 
playmaking instinct just that horizontal instinct you know to pass left and right and probably wait uh, and be a little more aware because they are also pro- prone to a lot of transitions the way they play their games are pretty end to end and the almeria game i mean they are getting a lot of uh, plaudits they won that game but almeria were pretty good they almeria got 18 shots in that game and that was uh, i mean i mean that's a lot for a team like almeria so i think I think people tuning into Madrid games are going to see a lot of end-to-end stuff. So it's going to be fun, but it might be fun at both ends. Madrid aren't that great defensively. Another weakness I feel is their set pieces. So Almiria got seven shots against them on set pieces. So you have reduced the height of the team a bit uh, over the years. Varane, Ramos have gone. Um, Alaba is is not the best in the air. Benzema is also gone. So I mean, you have reduced the height of the team a little bit. So they look a little. um weak on set pieces so that's another place you can you know get at them then there's also the issue of depth joselu came on later uh, as a striker and the moment he came on there was just lot of crosses lot of direct balls aimed at him and it was all a little too direct and desperate so they do have a lot of things to figure out how can you phase cruz and modric away and still have that playmaking control of a top team and not be so transitional to the point where it hurts you that is a big question they'll have to answer and i think it's going to take them all season and if they do fall short of their aims um, these might be the reasons yeah but i think uh, you know as we discussed before recording perhaps they might not be the best team in the league necessarily but i think they most definitely are going to be the most fun team in the league so 100% whatever you do tune into real madrid matches if you can But all right now I am sort of quaking in my chair because I think we do have to move on to Atletico Madrid and I'm sure Alex has got quite some stuff prepared for me but uh, you know what actually let's start with um, again how they did last season because they I mean they were sort of there in the title race and then they disappeared so Alex what happened there Hello Neil Um yes Atletico Madrid were very strong last uh, last season. We had a great start, well I had a great start about uh, RB Leipzig last year, uh, top after Marco Rosa's appointment um in September uh, 2022. Not quite as strong as that, but Atletico Madrid from December onwards after the World Cup break uh, to the end of last season, they also would have finished top of La Liga ahead of eventual champions Barcelona. Uh, it really goes to show how uh amazing their turnaround was because obviously last season they made headlines for the wrong reasons uh they were knocked out of the Champions League bottom of their group they were beaten by club brook uh they were woeful i remember watching and thinking this is calamitous i remember tweeting that diego simeone needs to go and now well, i'm about to sit here and say that everything has changed yeah i think that's more proof that you don't actually know anything about football But anyway, let's let's see if you actually do know something about football. Why don't you talk us uh, talk to us rather about Atletico's tactics and perhaps any changes they made to improve this match? It's a very fun point. Nick. Don't worry, we'll store that one up for later. <laughs> uh, well, to to be serious at the moment, unlike my colleague here, listeners who can't take things seriously, um, we'll say that Atletico did actually have some pretty interesting tactical changes after uh, this point and. we're still seeing some elements of them this season so my main criticism criticisms of them before were that atletico had been 
trying to press a bit higher under Simeone. They've been playing a bit of a higher line and they they were doing two things different to old Atletico Madrid. Typical Atletico Madrid, which is 4-4-2, deep mid-block, um, and then, you know, very heavy counter-attacking football. Well, a lot of La Liga started picking this up and forcing Atletico to be the team who had control of the ball, which meant they were having to push higher and press higher. And their press was disjointed. It was quite man-to-man, I'd say. And it meant there was gaps in midfield and other teams were able to cut them apart with ease. So Atletico was struggling to score goals. Um, They were struggling in their build-up and then they were getting torn apart on counters. Now, Simeone did hasn't exactly gone back to his old ways. They're still playing a three-at-the-back system uh, that morphs into a five-at-the-back when they're really defending. But he has dropped their line a bit deeper. Uh, I think there was some good analysis from Total Football Analysis that showed how the defensive line after December dropped from like near the halfway line to outside of the centre circle on average. Uh, their pressing became a bit more zonal, which meant they weren't overcommitting themselves. They were protecting space more. They weren't necessarily trying to hunt to win the ball high up, but rather force the opposition to uh, launch it and lose possession. And I think the biggest thing that paid off for Diego Simeone and it's off, it's also something to fight against maybe Premier League fans, maybe Chelsea fans who said, oh, look at João Felix, he left Atletico and look how good they got. I'd say one of the big things that happened at Atletico was, wasn't necessarily a thing that happened. It's just their patterns became more fluent. They got better as the season went on and it was very clear that the, the training was starting to pay off. Like It felt they were stuttering in the first half of the season. They spent a little bit too much time on the ball, whereas in the second half, they were a lot more fluid. It felt like players knew where their teammates were, and the result was great. I mean, Antoine Griezmann, for example, was uh, I won't go into the stats just yet because Neil was waiting to introduce me on that. That's where I'm going to overrule his role here. Uh, but Diego, Antoine Griezmann last season was, I think, arguably to most La Liga viewers, player of the year. Uh, he had, I think, over 30 goals and assists. Um, yeah, so... Things really did end well last season, and they're going to be looking for things to continue this season. No, but I think that's actually a really good point you made there about their sort of. Oh, I made a good point. Stuff. That's new. <laughs> uh, like there, because I noticed that as well, especially even in their you know first couple of games this season. That, the, as you say, they're sort of they're clicking when they have the ball when they're attacking. I think the buzzword that people use especially for uh, Antonio Conte at uh, Tottenham was automatisms and you can sort of see that sort of stuff in in uh, Atletico's uh, passing patterns as well and as you say it, it looks like their training is paying off so you know we all talk a lot about Atletico and Diego Simeone being this you know amazing out of possession side generally but I think in possession as well they, they could be a fun team to watch uh, this season, but perhaps more on that later. Uh, let's talk about the stats tonight. I see you're excited to talk about them, so go on. Yeah, so I have a, a few stats to talk about. Um, well, largely that they overperformed over and um, low overperformed for and against expected goals. So they scored more than the XG suggested they would, and they conceded uh, less than the XG suggested they would, which you know on paper would mean that we should expect to drop off next season. But I'd like to attribute it to two things. Uh, for, exa- for example, I think a lot of the players in this team marginally overperformed, like Alvaro Morata last season scored 13 goals from an XG of 11.8. Uh, 
Uh, Griezmann, I said, got 31 goals and assists from uh, non-penalty expected goals plus expected assists it goals, uh, 26.2. But the broad line is that they were there wasn't a huge overperformance from anywhere in the team. And I don't think it's um, fair to say that they got lucky, especially since that they actually scored the second of these penalties last season in La Liga. Just one. Do you want to have any guesses, guys, of uh, who scored the least penalties in La Liga last season? Uh, Getafe. Neil guesses Getafe. Varun? Barcelona? Yeah, it seems you know your team. You know the okay. team uh, very, very well, quite clearly. Yeah, More than uh, uh, Neil was actually guess. meant to know. It's just guessing <laughs> at his, his section. I'm really happy you guessed that, Varun. Very happy, in fact. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think all things point to the fact that Atletico should have a... They shouldn't be written off this uh, this season. Right, then uh, do, do you have anything to add from uh, that first word? Two matches? Any Any notes? That you know suggests what what the season might go like. Yes, uh, I, I think I watched a bit of their their first game and more of the all of the game against um, Real Betis, uh, which happened a couple of days ago at the time of recording. Uh, they weren't quite as fun against Betis. I think it ended a nil nil draw in the end. Um, but in the first game, Memphis Depay uh, scored an absolute rocket from outside of the box, which was awesome. Uh, they've had. I think they've given a lot of minutes out already as well. Um, players who've arrived back from loan, uh, Samuel uh, Samuel Lino uh, from Valencia, who got four goals and four assists last season, a terrible team, and uh, Rodrigo Raquelme as well at Gerona. Uh, sorry, it's Raquelme that got those eight goals and assists, and uh, uh, Lino got seven goals and assists. But Lino at a worse team. Raquelme looks pretty interesting. Both are quite young, which mixes up the age profile of Atletico Madrid. And it means they've just got a very nice squad attacking-wise. And something else as well that I found interesting, uh, last season there was a bit of a battle between putting Axel Witzel in midfield and defence. Well, against Batisi, started at uh, the left-hand side of defence. So maybe uh, Simeone has settled on that. But this squad just looks in a pretty strong shape. Uh, I'm excited to see... Uh, who continues to play this season? I mean, I've mentioned a couple of the returnees there. There's been some transfers, as a bit of Quetta coming from Chelsea, bit boring. Uh, but they've also got Pablo uh, Balios coming through, the youngster. Um, and Javi Galan arrived as well on a free. He's yet to play yet, but uh, I'm sure he'll be fun as well on the left-hand side. So it's very early days. It's why I've built the majority of this analysis off uh, last season's Atletico. But I'm pretty excited to see what happens. Well then, I guess to wrap it all up, let's let's try and predict what will happen. Uh, I suppose we obviously spoke about these three teams. I expect they are going to be all of our top three, but in what order is a good question. And I, I guess since it's you know top four Champions League, let's have our, our top four predictions. Uh, Alex, do you want to get started? Uh, yes, Neil's telling me to get started because he hasn't uh, looked at his own one yet. <laughs> Uh, that that's the only reason. Uh, I am going to go with uh, Real Madrid top. I think Atletico wow. have a strong season, but I really like what I've seen from Real Madrid early on. And I'm actually in full agreement with um, Aaron that their transfers, Kepa, I think is going to be better than we expect. Uh, but not to waffle on too much. I think I back Atletico to finish second. I think Barcelona have got a bit of trouble going off the field. I'm seeing a lot of backcasts to Xavi. 
So I think they'll finish third. And then fourth, I'm going to have to back my boys, Raul Sociedad. Uh, we said pre-podcast, if we were allowed to talk about them, we'd be talking about them for 80 minutes. Uh, but super, super fun team. And they've just brought in Arsene Sakarian, who I think could be a revelation, if not this window, uh, this season, then next season. He's still only 20. That's insane. Most talented kid in Eastern Europe. Wow, he's still 20. Uh, he's still yeah, 20. I know. I, I'm shocked at that as well. Yeah, but yeah, I think they really agree. So I say that. What a team. But well, let's, let's have your predictions now. Let's see if you go for the same order. Um, A um, lot of similarities to Alex. I actually like Real Madrid. Uh, I'm putting them at first. And I said they have issues. And I think those are the reasons they won't be mind-blowingly good and they won't win the Champions League again. But then, you know, everyone says that about Madrid and then they go and win the Champions League. So I'll probably not say that. You can just cut that out. <laughs> but then um, I think even despite the issues, I think Madrid have enough firepower, enough wonder kid power um, to get first. I'm going to put Barcelona at second. I don't think they'll be great. I also have big question marks on Lewandowski. We didn't discuss him. I think he's going to have a drop here. So I think Barcelona are going to be left a little poor up front. I mean, if uh, Gundogan could also get injured. They, they just have a lot of issues, as Alex said. Atletico could come second, but I don't know. I'm not seeing uh, as much of the positive vibes as Alex said. So I'm putting them third. Uh, but they could come second for sure. And yeah, I mean, I think our... Everyone's favorite second team, Saucy Dad, should get fourth again. I mean, they got fourth last time and they got fifth the year before. It would be a lot of fun if they could break into the top three, but I think it's going to be fourth again. What do you think, Neil? Neil, it's yeah. not a pod plan. You've got Las Palmas in third. That's interesting. Why don't you explain that one? <laughs> you know what, though? I could unironically make a very good case for Las Palmas to finish. Where should I say? Uh, top half? They don't can actually us. do it. Don't let's not get into it never mind but anyway um, Las Palmas just quickly very cool team uh, newly promoted but they played some lovely football in the Segunda Division last season very possession based and uh, you know last season you had that big relegation scrap so that's why I, can, I think they can be above all of those teams so that's why I said that but anyway my actual predictions you guys both went for Real Madrid um, and honestly I think Logic probably dictates that the safest option, especially when you look at the transfers and everything. But you know, I mean, I, I've done a fair few predictions, and uh, you know, no matter how much research you do, you always seem to get them wrong. So I'm just gonna go sort of more vibes based after two matches. What I'm feeling, so this is probably gonna be wrong. But from the very limited amount of stuff I've seen, uh, there's a fair few teams in La Liga who can do some very good stuff in transition. And the biggest, uh, the biggest sort of among them is Alaves, who beat Sevilla 4-3 yesterday with some beautiful counter-attacking football. Like, that was amazing. And I think there's a fair few teams in the table who can do that. And so, we spoke about Barcelona's issues in defending transitions. And of course, Varun, you spoke about Real Madrid's issues. And I think maybe to an extent, Real Madrid's issues are slightly greater in that specific aspect than Barcelona's. So, for that reason, I'm going to go Barcelona top. Uh, Real Madrid second. I think Atleti will just be below them. Like Atleti should be on an ironic point. Atleti should be matching pretty well with your point about transitions. No, they've uh, yeah, no, yeah. I think they will 
I, I don't think so. I think that's going to be the big problem for Barcelona and Real Madrid. I think for Atleti, they'll be absolutely fine. I mean, I think they'll probably have the best defensive record in the league, but I I'm not so sure about their you know the front end of the pitch. I think uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid have got a fair bit, especially Real have got way more up there than Atleti. So. Not, I think, not to lengthen this podcast, but have Barcelona? Atleti have got Carrea, who I didn't mention as well. Marata is still in there. Uh, and, and Griezmann up top as well. And Depay. I'd say three out of four of those start for Barca. Yeah, well, I think... I, I, I actually think... I actually think Barcelona go on, go on. are going to have a lot of trouble scoring. And they might actually be good defending. I mean, people don't realize this but Javi's pretty tight at the back I mean he he does have a lot of elements of control I think last season they conceded only 20 goals in the league that is pretty good stuff that's amongst the best defensive records and I think it's again going to be a little cagey Barcelona games are not going to be fun they will defend well but they might not score as much so it's going to be very irritating a lot of midfield control um you know, less uh, they they do have the transition weakness, but overall, I think they're better at the back than front. The, that act is what I'm worried about with Barcelona. Does that change yeah, your mind? I think no, no. I, I agree with you guys, but uh, to be fair, last season stats you do have to attribute a lot to Mark Andre taken. I have to look at um, the X uh, XGRT or PSXG numbers, but he was sensational. I, I if I had to guess. I I'm going to say he saved them at least eight odd goals uh, based on PSXG. Eight, one fantastic stuff. Wow, yeah. So, uh, I, I mean... Uh, oh, Neil know. knows his stuff. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I, I, I mean, obviously that's amazing, but I don't know how sustainable that is for any goalkeeper. Uh, and as you see, I think their defending really was built on them simply having so much of the ball. But I think with Busquets gone, they they have lost a lot of that that control, as you said, that that sort of the ability to pace things properly in midfield. But as far as their attack is concerned, I think they, I mean, they don't have that many goals packed in their team. Seemingly, I think, I think uh, was it Varun you mentioned about Lewandowski, which is a really interesting conversation whether he can deliver again. Personally, I think he's got one more season in him, so I think he'll he'll get his goals this season. And uh, around him, you've got Gundogan, who can bob up with the goals if you need him to. Uh, Rafinha as well. Uh, you know, Pedri might get you some. So I think, th- I, 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 you know, my prediction is very much sort of built on Lewandowski not letting me down this season. But if he gets his goals, I think they can. They have just about enough around. Yeah, but I think you mentioned injury. So if Gundogan gets injured, they're gone. I think so. All being well, I think they have got just about enough to win the league. But it's it's going to be very close, most definitely. I, it's honestly, I mean, completely seriously, it's to me, it's like a coin flip between especially Barcelona and Real. It's so, so close. So uh, it, it definitely should be an exciting one. Well, I, th- I, th- I think that's, that's about all we've got for today, unless you guys have uh, anything to add. But we didn't hear your 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 order, did we? We heard Barcelona. Oh, did we not? Oh, right, yeah, of course. I didn't say my fourth team. Yes, yes. Yeah, sorry. we, inter- that, we that... I interrupted you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so my fourth team is. So I think I said Barcelona, Real, Atleti. My fourth team again. Logic would say I should say Sociedad, but my very very early getting carried away prediction is Real Betis because they were fairly fun. Pretty fun actually against Villarreal. 
and they held their own very much uh, against Atleti. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, Manuel Pellegrini, I think, has put together a decent system. They've got Isco uh, playing as a number 10, who I liked. Uh, so I think he could have an interesting season. And, uh, you know, around him, there's no real massive standouts as such, uh, except, uh, oh God, I forgot his name. The, the right winger, uh, Luis Enrique, who's sadly injured. But he, I, I expect him to have a breakout season if he gets back to fitness and everything. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go Betis first. Probably going to be wrong, but I think they're going to be fun. So there I we think it's it. a good shout. I mean, Betis were fifth for me as well. So I can totally see them get fourth too. It's a nice shout. Yeah, I think it's, gonna, it's actually going to be close between them and Sociedad uh, in any case. So should be a fun one, right? But I think that is indeed about it. So thank you very much, guys, for joining us. Uh, of course, thanks to you for tuning in and listening. Uh, as always, uh, you can find all of us on Twitter. You can find Varun at the Devils DNA spelled out like that here on our account. You can find Alex at the Euro Expert underscore, and you can find me at uh, Shailat Neil, basically my name reversed uh, on Twitter. And of course, you can find uh, our Get Football outlets. We've got one for well each of the top top six leagues uh, and of course at get football eu is sort of the central account and we've got the links to everything else in that so that's the one you really need uh and of course you know besides just the tactics podcast we've got a bunch of other stuff uh coming in every day covering you know football all over europe all the big leagues and all over the world with you know all your news uh, videos opinions analysis uh, so do keep an eye out for that We'll have everything linked in the notes to the show. So you can find uh, all of the stuff I mentioned there. And yeah, lastly, if you can, please do rate us uh, and give us a five-star review because that really helps uh, with reach. And of course, uh, you, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you could share this uh, on social media and stuff as well. But thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining. And we'll catch you on the next one next week. Uh, take care until then. Goodbye.